Hello. Welcome to Dish Knows Nothing. I'm Michael Dishno. Sometimes we'll talk about stuff, and other days we'll talk about things. Some days we're just going to talk about what's on my mind. This is a warning. Thank you for listening. That, folks, that is the start of the song of the day. Um, in fact, never mind. It's not. It's not the song of the day. I take everything back. This, when I find it. That's a great song, but this is. Nope. Another sad I hope that doesn't sound too terrible, and that's why I don't want to play the whole thing like that, but I'm just going to say it. Sam Cooke, an absolute legend. A legend. Um, that song, Another Saturday Night by Sam Cooke, is definitely the song of the day, and you know what? Sam Cooke is amazing. How's everyone doing? Um, it's the day. It's it's the day I've already finished my coffee. In fact, that's why you're not going to hear me sipping it. I kind of so close to make in another one here um, just to see what happened during this episode but I refrain because I also haven't eaten food and you know what that would probably hurt my stomach so folks I hope you're doing well if you're not let me know um, I'm attempting to record this episode on video too just with a camera here and I'm going to see if it's cool um, but I don't know we're going to see what happens if you guys ever see any of this this imagery here. Because um, it's definitely funny because now I'm just watching myself. But hey, it's there. The audio's here. We're recording. If you're tuning in, thanks for listening. I don't want to say I love you because I don't want to freak you out, but I do. So we'll leave it at that and move on. Today's sponsors, as a song of the day is already out of the way and I don't have much else to say. Today's sponsors are all the folks who told me to record this episode today. Um, I said, dare me to record an episode and you know what? Brent. Oh, my wife didn't. Never mind. I thought, yeah. Um, let me see. Oh, Zoe, Dylan, David, and Allie. You guys are the sponsors for today's episode. Shout out to you guys. I can't wait to see how you will sponsor the the uh, podcast in a monetary fashion because you know what? A guy's got to eat. <laughs> um, but no, for real, I love the support. Thank you guys. I'm recording this for you. I'm going to jump into the topics because you know what? There's not much housekeeping to do anymore. Sponsors are like flowing in and flowing out. Song of the day is popping. The first topic, wow, three and a half minutes in, we're already on the first topic. This is life-changing. Oh, I also don't have a guest, so I don't have to like intro anyone. I'm going to talk about Bigfoot. I don't know how you feel about Bigfoot. Um, I'm going to get it out there and then expand, and we'll just uh, see what happens. But I don't necessarily believe that Bigfoot's real. I don't think that there is... 
this creature all around anywhere. Let's let's do actually a quick research just for the sake. Um, where is Bigfoot? So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because I've seen like tons of stuff about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, all all the above, um, that like you know Bigfoot's seen all around the U.S. At least I don't know if it's a worldwide thing off the top of my head. Um, but there are like active Bigfoot sightings and like all this type of stuff. If we were to look at the states, uh, it says Pennsylvania, New York, Colorado, Michigan, Illinois, Florida. I mean, guys, this is like everywhere, all across East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, West Midness, East West Mid, all the above. Like Bigfoot's all around. All these confirmed sightings, as it would be. Um, but I don't know. I think that there's definitely more afoot here where it's not just like the Yeti or the Bigfoot is out there. Oh, that's a good, a good point. I think a Yeti is like more of like a, I think from around the world. I don't really know, but um, they, they all kind of fall in the same. Oh wait, the best places to spot Yeti, Bigfoot, and Sasquatch. Wow, this is, there's an article out there that is from December, 2021. That is telling you here's some good places to see them. Wow, and there's like these these videos and, and pictures on like Twitter and stuff about like where you can see this. This is pretty funny. Because um, like I said, I don't necessarily believe that it exists. I understand like some conspiracy series or conspiracy theories eventually just come come out and it's like, wow, this is real. Um, and I think that there's things that like, who knows, maybe there's a guy in a suit intentionally just trying to mess with people. But uh, I'm gonna do this. First Bigfoot sighting was in August 16th, 2022. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, I don't really trust Wikipedia, of course, because I am a scholar. Um, I want to find the first one. There was a peak in the 1970s. I understand there's a peak, but we're at the first. Never mind, guys. It's not easy to find this, apparently. But yeah, I I don't believe that Bigfoot necessarily exists. I think if he or she or they existed, if the Bigfoot people existed, um, we'd already get them. You know what I mean? Like. I think that there's a lot that the government doesn't tell us in any sense. Um, things like that nature. Like, I think there's a lot that we don't know that's definitely not public. If Bigfoot exists, they already know about it. And here's the thing. If if they don't know about it, then realistically, it doesn't exist. Um, and I, I think if that Bigfoot existed, they definitely know about it. Maybe there's something more to it where, you know, we're not supposed to know about Bigfoot. And that's why it's, like, so elusive. But I honestly just don't think that. Bigfoot is real. I think it's a great, a great thing to have some fun with. Um, mess with people. Uh, I wouldn't say no if someone was like, go out in a Bigfoot suit and have some fun. I would have some fun, plain and simple. Um, but I don't think that Bigfoot exists. I will say I do have a story that was on my mind, which is why I want to talk about Bigfoot when someone was like, hey, talk about Bigfoot. And so there is a time when I was younger. I don't know how old I was, um, but it's a story of the mind. The mind is a powerful thing and it will mess with you and it will change your life. 
Um, there's a time I was spending the night at my friend Jonah's house. We were sleep, sleeping down in the living room and, um, their house has like windows and doors leading to the backyard. And I vividly remember having such a real, real fear that Bigfoot was out back. Uh, their house like backed up to like a park and there's some trees and stuff like that down, down, down where they live. And I so remember for whatever reason being actually terrified that Bigfoot was going to come on out and reach through those windows and pull me away. And I mean, okay, if I'm ballparking, it's probably anywhere between like 12 to 16 years old, if that's accurate. I think somewhere around there. So my brain's still developing. Wasn't 25 yet. Wasn't fully at my potential of brain power, but Bigfoot, I I thought Bigfoot was going to come around. And and that's, I think more of the core of like what I was thinking about when bringing a Bigfoot is like the power of the mind because like, again, I don't realistically believe that Bigfoot exists. If you do, I so challenge you to like, give me some evidence slash like explain to me why you believe that Bigfoot's real. Cause I, I'm intrigued. Like for me, I guess at the end of the day, I mostly don't believe that Bigfoot exists because I don't think it matters if Bigfoot exists. Like, I don't think something is going to change. I don't think that Bigfoot's like the missing link, you know, or anything like that. Um, but, uh, if you think that Bigfoot exists, I respect that. Um, not trying to convince you that he doesn't. I just think like, I don't think that he exists, but if you think he does, please send me everything you got. Um, send me your reasoning I'd like to know why you believe in such a thing. And regardless, I think that this could be a agree to disagree moment. Like if I'm like, oh yeah, I still don't really think it. And you're like, okay, fine, whatever. Be respectful. I'll be respectful of your, your belief of Bigfoot. If that's what you want to do, that's totally fine. Um, but I think the mind is a crazy thing because you can create like such an image in your mind that is just become so real. And I think uh, the mind is a powerful thing. This week in my life, I am trying to convince myself. Okay, for lack of a better way of saying it, I'm gaslighting myself on problems. Um, even to the to the extent of like stomach problems and foods that I can and cannot eat that have been going on for quite some time. I'm just like, you know what? Nothing's going to happen. And... I'm like kind of fine. Um, I think up and down, I still go, uh, with like bodily pain as far as like possible undiagnosed arthritis or carpal tunnel, which is definitely going on. Like things like that, like flare ups happen, but I'm just like gaslighting myself on stomach pain of like, you know what? My stomach doesn't hurt. It's not going to hurt. Cause if I start thinking about it hurting, I get paranoid. I get anxious. I, I force myself to be sick and I feel bad by anything I eat. But now I've just been like, you know what? I don't feel bad. And I've been doing all right. Um, I think up and down, like I start to like think about a little bit too much and I'm like, "Uh Oh, now I feel sick. But right now I'm like kind of chilling. Um, if I was to look like a year ago on a day that I only have coffee and it's midday and I haven't eaten anything, I would be freaking out that my stomach is like going to be eating itself alive because it would feel like that before. Now I'm like, Hey, you know what? I had coffee. And that's it. Um, that's all I've had. And here I am. I'm recording a podcast and I'm not dying out of pain. So I think 
what my 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 brain is thinking of when it comes to like Bigfoot and the power of the mind and you know belief and paranoia or anxiety or whatever you know perspective you take on the power of the mind but um you can convince yourself of a lot of things that aren't real and i'm not pinpointing bigfoot to be like this is my podcast to explain why he isn't real it's not that maybe another episode i'll be like i'll have someone on here i'll have an astute scholar of the bigfoot nature and see what happens but that's not today it has more turned into the mind, the power of what the mind can convince you of. And, you know, it, it goes, <laughs> um, I'll share this. And if this is too vulnerable and it scares you away, then ooh. Um, <laughs> I'm not an open person. I'll just say that as a preface and, and disclaimer. I'm not very open. I don't like to be open. Um, I'll be open with my wife. I love my wife. She's a great lady. Um, the love of my life. And I, I'm not a huge open person for like everyone there are people that i am open with and if you are one of them bless up you are special in my life but um for the last like few years i don't really know a specific date like i'll work out or i'll do any kind of cardio and i'll get like lightheaded like pretty pretty frequently and at a pretty early stage of like working out or doing something like that and um this apparently isn't super normal um, I'm not like terribly out of shape. Like I've had my fair share of <clears throat> health issues and like <clears throat> obstacles to working out to like be more in shape and like, you know, be someone who's really good at cardio. But like I, I surf on and off the last few years and I've been surfing a lot more the last like six to eight months and such. And, you know, so I'm like fairly in shape. Um, I think my heart's healthy, but I, I tell my mom this of just like, Hey, like this has been going on for a long time. What do you think I should do? And we're also in a moment of like switching around health insurance because my wife just got a new job, bless up. And, um, I'm establishing primary care as it would be. And my mom calls me immediately from her telling this. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, wait, what? And apparently it's not normal. And she's like, you need to go get your heart checked because you should not be getting lightheaded or dizzy or any of these things just like randomly, especially if you're working out, like your heart should be healthy and not doing that. And uh, so I started freaking myself out. I started absolutely psyching myself out and being paranoid. And I don't know the truest form of being a hypochondriac, but I think um, I might be one. And uh, I'm definitely a person who can like psych myself out and get myself anxious and be like completely shut down based on like the thought of something bad happening and i'll say like a realistic sense like i'm not like oh my gosh if i go to the beach i could possibly see a shark and die i'm uh, you know shark attack percentages and, and risk it's it's fairly low like i've been surfing and going to the beach for pretty much all my life and i, I don't think that i'm sitting there being debilitated by the fact that like a shark could get me but um realistic things like hey there's this unknown thing happening when I work out and I get uh, lightheaded and now my mom's all freaked out about it. And now I'm all freaked out about it. And so the whole day I'm like getting anxious and getting, um, paranoid and even lightheaded and dizzy. And I'm causing myself to do that. And I go surfing and I get lightheaded and dizzy again. And then I get out and I'm like, 
I'm doing this myself. And I, I take a moment and I pause and I think I'm perfectly fine. I get a little better. I start feeling less dizzy and I start feeling less lightheaded. And then I let my mom know. I'm like, hey, I went surfing again. Started to feel like this. I drank a lot more water today because she initially thought like maybe it's dehydration. I'm like, hey, I felt a little bit better compared to yesterday where I was like about a blackout in the ocean. And she's like, it sounds like it's dehydration. And the weirdest thing in my mind as I read that, I'm like, oh, but then I'm perfectly fine. I start to feel like immediately better for a split second until my brain starts to think about it again. And I'm like, hey, maybe I am sick. Um, just so I don't leave anyone in the dust, if you don't know what a hypochondriac is, as far as my understanding, it's someone who thinks they're always sick and can make themselves sick. If I look it up, hypochondriac, a person who is abnormally anxious about their health. Oh my gosh. Based on Oxford, I'm totally a hypochondriac. I will say I have like valid reasons in my mind. Like I, I am anxious about my health because like, um, I've had a lot of health issues the last few years that have been absolutely a big bummer, but, um, I'm, in between normal and abnormal anxiety about my health and you know what i'm a hypochondriac so there it is but uh it's it's crazy that the, what the power of the mind can do because you know being able to be like you know what but bam i'm not sick and then like feel better it's like the weirdest thing i will say in this exact moment my stomach just growled and i'm getting hungry so there might be a pause in this this podcast episode because i think it'll be a longer one but We'll find out together. So, the power of the mind. Um, I also have touched on it, I think, on my Instagram posts. Um, it, uh, no offense, it might have been stuff I've only posted to my close friends, but, um, you know, gaslighting yourself out of problems. Like, hey, here's this problem in my life, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, and just being like, you know what? It's not a problem. And I think there's uh, something to it. I think it's something that you should think about and you should explore. I don't want to think about it and explore it too much um, based on the fact that uh, Bigfoot. But you know what? Think about it. I don't want you to uh, become entirely mentally unhealthy and like, you know, not ever deal with problems. It's important to deal with problems and process stuff. But time and place. Use the tool of gaslighting yourself. It totally works. Um, and let me know what you find out, but also like if, you know, it totally ruins your life, don't blame me because, uh, you're an adult and if you're not an adult, wait to listen to this podcast until you are and then try it. Um, the second topic that's on my mind that someone asked about is surfing crazy. We've already foreshadowed talking about surfing. I'll tell you what, surfing has a lot to talk about. Um, as far as my credentials to talk about surfing, um, I would consider myself one who is a surfer. I surf. I have been surfing for a long while, for the majority of my life. As I mentioned, I grew up at the beach. Um, I, uh, can help people surf, help teach people to surf. Uh, not that I'd like to, or like that I, that I do on a daily basis, but I, I can, 
I have the ability to be like, hey, you see that thing you did there? Do something different, and it might help. Um, but what I will show show here is that surfing's been around for a long time. Um, actually, since the 12th century. That's a long time. That's older than I am. And I'm going to imagine older than most of the people who are listening to this podcast, if not 100% of the people. It's very possible. But, um, you know, I look up history of surfing. When was it? Uh, surfing invented. 12th century Polynesia. Cool. Um, it's been around for a long time. It's been around for a lot of different reasons. Like, what if I do this? Why surf? What would we get? What would we find? 25 very good reasons why surfing is so addictive. Addictive. I'll tell you what. Okay, I'm going to share my... my personal initial thoughts of surfing um i think surfing is one of those things that's a love-hate relationship um even right now as i look at you know the waves just i'm i'm i have the live camps i finally committed i'm on surfline premium now if you're if you're not doing it you know it's available um surfing is one of those things in nature that is a little rough to like because it's not always fun i've had times that i've hated surfing i've absolutely been like that was the worst time of my entire life that was not fun that was a waste of time i get out more upset than than i uh, uh was before i've also gone out on days that have been absolutely flat like like absolutely flat as a lake at 204s high tide zero waves and we've gone out in winter and we're like that was fun wasn't the worst time of my life but it was there and we did it um, didn't catch a single wave, but hey, we paddled out. Um, and so I've had like many experiences in surfing that are like <laughs> the bottom of the barrel scale of one to 10. They're in the negatives, like bad days, even days where it's like so big. And I mean, like these are times when I'm younger and it's like, oh, dude, I'm so hungry. Sorry, that's not what I say when I get out there, but I've been there too. I've been there when I feel like my stomach is eating itself alive. Um, based on the power of my mind, but, um, I've been out when it's like 50 degrees on the beach, the water's like warmer than the air and it stays that way for like an hour or two. And it's not fun. Um, surfing also is one of the things like if you're not in shape, it's also not fun. Um, so it takes a while to get used to and it takes a while to get back into sometimes because it's like, you know, kind of like a bike, like you, like say, say for instance, I, I, suck at surfing <laughs> i've been surfing for probably like 15 years of my life but i suck at surfing still i'll totally just like straight up say it i'm not a great surfer i make it look like i'm good because i'm very comfortable on a surfboard but i'm not like anywhere such as a pro wouldn't be in competitions i'm not you know hanging 10 on every wave or like doing airs or flips right um if i could do a flip then that would be insane um i forgot what i was saying one second i need to i need to find out i remembered um i was saying like how it's like kind of like a bike right like like not only imagine like you were a rider of a bike but you were like a bmx rider of a bike or like someone who like did more than the bare minimum um and surfing is kind of like getting back into that after maybe some months or some years of not doing that on a bike so it's not like it's kind of like riding a bike where like you can jump back in and like i can easily jump on a board and paddle and i can duck dive and i can probably catch a wave or even ride a wave but like if i am to ride a wave you know 
in a cooler sense or if I'm to ride a wave in a way that, um, you know, is more fun because I'm doing cooler things. That is what that BMX level of riding a bike is like getting back into on surfing. If that's a fair comparison, you know, like I could easily grab my board cause I've had a board for a long while too. And I've, I've, I'm comfortable on it. I could jump on that board and ride a wave and I could, you know, turn left and, you know, cut some fools off and, you know, even party wave and have some fun. But if I was to like, you know, walk the board and like cross step, in beautiful fashion like it is a skill that takes some time getting back into um and so you know surfing is practice but sometimes it sucks so much to surf like even in southern california here like the winters get colder and the summers get hotter and so summer's cool this summer hasn't been too warm i've been wearing a wetsuit pretty much each time like a spring suit cut the legs off of mine and uh you know now it's kind of getting cold again um, I don't even look at the water temperature anymore because I know that like I'm going to throw in a wetsuit pretty much anytime. Um, but when I try to go surf during the winter, sometimes it's just a bummer. It's cold. The sun takes longer to come up. It, it goes down sooner. Like it's, it's less opportunity to surf in general. And you know what? Like surfing can really suck. And if you follow me on Instagram, you, you clearly see um, my my things of saying like, Hey, don't surf, <laughs> don't surf. The, the intention behind that, I think there was a company a while back that was doing like that kind of like ad display as well of like, Hey, don't surf. And the idea was like, you know, surfing sucks. Don't do it. But it's because I don't want you to go out there because then there's just more people <laughs> like I'm going to go out. I'm going to try to have some fun. Um, but like the more people we add to surfing, the kind of more it, uh, ruins surfing because surfing typically depends on how many waves you catch alone. Um, I think in our area, party waves are a little bit more difficult. I don't know if, what is it, Honolulu, those beautiful waves that just like everyone can jump on, it doesn't matter, and you're just having fun. Like, you know, that's a different wave. But like the waves around here, it's more like you ride it yourself, get a little quick little ride, and if anyone gets in your way, it kind of ruins it because it's just this nothing wave. Um, and there's a portion where like I'm actually kind of serious when I say don't surf. Because as much as it can be nice to get out in the water, it can feel good, and it can be nice, and even even some people might say there's like a spiritual aspect of surfing and being out in the 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 world and being out in nature. Like I understand, like sometimes I've connected with that of like, wow, it's so beautiful out here just in this nature. But surfing, like, ugh, it just. I seriously have such a love-hate relationship with it because I can sometimes have like a lot of fun and I'll still try it and I'll still go and I'll still just do it because it's something to do. But like the amount of times that I've gone out and been like, that was a bummer, probably outweighs the amount of times by quantity that I've gone out and been like, that was the most amazing day because there's so many factors um, that go into having good waves, factors of good surfing waves let's see i'm no scientist but it's totally science as far as like um swell size swell period swell direction wind direction wind strength and speed um and the tide like guys there's so many things even if you have like the majority of these like the swell itself is solid and the tide is solid and then the wind is garbage that can ruin the waves like entirely and i think that might be something that i'm dealing with today where like 
you know, it was kind of solid and the, the tide was maybe going to be a little bit right, but like, you know what, the, the wind could possibly just be absolutely ruining it. I'm probably going to try it out anyways, because I have time and might as well go see if I get lightheaded. But, um, I will say as well, a word to the wise, as far as quality, I've probably surfed more fun waves. Like the, the times that I've surfed fun waves make it worth it to try to see. Cause even if it's like one fun wave, I don't know if you've never surfed before. Maybe you're starting to surf. Maybe you've been surfing for some time. Maybe you're still a beginner or maybe you're an absolute pro. Um, the feeling of being on a wave is good. The feeling of being on a wave, doing something cool and like doing, doing a move or, or even just catching a wave and riding it is like a, a very good natural feeling where you're just like, yeah, like if you've never done it, oh, I'm going to hate myself for admitting this, but it's worth it. If now, if you go out and you take all the waves and you ruin my life, then, you know, we'll, we'll do another podcast on that or something like that. But if you've never like caught a wave, like there's a really cool feeling that uh, goes along with it. That is near indescribable because like, it's just the feeling of, I don't know, the culmination of freedom and nature and fun and ooh la la. But like those times that I've had, good waves make it worth the risk to see like seven days a week go out and see what happens because if you get even one of those waves it could make the whole time worth it like I've had moments where like I've caught the wave of the day and my, I go out with my friends and they're like yeah that was the wave of the day and that wave made it that entire day worth it even if I pulled out my back and now my my lower back has crazy pain for no reason like I've had fantastic times like that and you know what now that I talk about it and I speak to it surfing is worth it it's one of those things that again you might hate it you might learn to hate it as much as i do sometimes because it can just be awful and even like even more awful when you go by yourself it's like why am i here alone why why did i come to the beach alone to see if it was worth it and then it's not like just getting out of the water being like okay well i'm glad i wasted time and it's not even like you go to the beach like especially if you're wearing a wetsuit like oh i'll go to the beach spend some time in the sun like get a little tan like i'm wearing a wetsuit i'm gonna get a cool line on my neck that shows that i wear a wetsuit and my face will be maybe slightly darker but my my neck down will be you know the same color as it was like there's those things that go into it of like cool the sun's awesome sit on sit on the sidewalk outside and get a tan if that's what you want to do don't go surfing to get a tan go surfing to surf but you might hate it end of end of discussion moving on um i actually chose two topics because i want to read this book and actually talk about it and not have it just be essentially a story time that i've been doing uh, or that we've done once before um but i'm going to read a text from my wife really quick She's asking if I'm going to do a podcast the entire day. Nope. Love ya. I want to read this book and find out what it's about. I honestly don't have any clue. And there's not even a back portion to it to like read. Like, what is it about? What is this book about? Um, but this book is by Keith. I feel like there's, uh, that's just the last name. Let me look in here. It's called Everyday Memory Builder. 
by John Keith with Helen Tracy. Produced by Philip Leaf Group, Inc. Um, Guild America Books. Bookspan. Garden City, New York. So, I'm very forgetful. I've mentioned it bajillions of times. Um, and, you know, I want to read this book and see what it's about just because the name intrigues me itself and I want to see if it's got something to it. Um, this book is for Barbara, by the way. If uh, you don't know who Barbara is, move it or lose it, buddy. Um, and uh, I, I'll, be, I'll admit I'm there losing it with you because I don't know who Barbara is. But some of the things that this book is going to be about are mentioned as such basic principles of memory training, intense visualization, the number slash sound system, students and other learners, young, old, and in between. But this book starts with, do you need this book? This is the introduction. I think I might just read the introduction and see what goes from there because it's a few pages and I'm a slow reader. But let's jump in. Do you need this book? Frankly, that's a no-brainer. There are as many reasons to boost your memory as there are to exercise and get your body fit. First and foremost, in both cases, you will improve the quality of your life. Think about it. With a trained memory, you could pop out of the store and come back with everything you went in for. Uh, side note, that would entirely change my life. Also, I might just say side note so you know that it's me and not the book because I'm reading it in a normal voice. That would be crazy if I went to the store and got everything. Back in. Never again would you arrive home with the surreal... Sorry, guys. <laughs> in the book here, it says C-E dash, then goes to the next line and says R-E-A-L. So it says serial, um, <laughs> but I read surreal, but not the milk. Um, never again would you struggle to squeeze one more squiggle out of the toothpaste tube because you forgot to buy new, new toothpaste for the 30, 43rd time checks out you could remember which days your daughter has soccer practice what you bought your mother for her last birthday and where you put your green glasses or consider your life at work you could be the one at every meeting who could present the facts of the case without searching through the stack of papers is this like a book side note that is saying like it's gonna fix all of my memory problems because if that's the case i might read all all 19 chapters of the oh my not right okay not right now <laughs> folks i'm not going to read 19 chapters right now but we'll find out how much i read um back in you could remember the names of the client her administrative assistant her yes man and even her gopher gopher hmm. g-o-f-e-r um, you would know right off the top of your head the quotes you got from four different vendors in the moments your boss asked. Wouldn't that give you an edge? Wouldn't that make you look smarter? Wouldn't it make you more confident? What you learn with pleasure we never forget. Alfred Mercier. You may be very intelligent, but if you can't remember what you need to, you need to, you're going to seem flaky and a little dumb. Folks, I'm sorry. 
Training your memory can make your intelligence more apparent to other people. It can change the impression you make on others, and it can change your image of others, of yourself. (laughs) Memory training can make you more productive and less frustrated. It can grease the wheels of life and make everything run a little more smoothly. In a nutshell, it can make your life better, maybe a little better, maybe a lot better, but better. But how can... Oh. We maybe have an opportunity for some voices. But how can I tell if I have memory problems? First of all, you don't need to have problems with your memory to profit from training. Anyone can improve, improve on his or her natural memory. What's natural memory? It's what we're all stuck with. It's like your body without regular exercise. A little flabby. A little creaky but good enough to get by most of the time. You experience the flabbiness as you experience the flabbiness as absent-mindedness. The creakiness shows when you forget the name of your new neighbor you've met 3 times. And when you can't recall what you read in a newspaper article just yesterday, that's when you know you need to work out. Um, here's a little test for your natural memory. Read through the list of 15 foods carefully just once. Concentrate on each word on the list, then take a sheet of paper and write down as many of the items as you can remember. I don't have paper anywhere around here. Um, or really, I guess a a, a pen. So I'm just going to read it and then see what happens. Mushrooms, oranges, eggs, blueberries, cashews, crab, seltzer, mustard, salt, zucchini, mangoes, spaghetti, chicken, cookies, granola. Look at it for a second. Concentrate on each word on the list. Yeah, there's no way. I'm not even going to try it. Never mind, guys. Um, I'm closing the book. I'm not recording video anymore. So um, closing the book. Mangoes, zucchini, mangoes uh yeah no i'm not gonna do that because i can't do it here's how you stack up in terms of memory the average person 18 to 39 years old can remember 10 of the items i think i'm above average if i remembered less right um age 40 to 59 nine items 60 to 69 eight items 70 to oh 70 and over seven items Once you have a little memory training, you will be able to remember all 15 items. That's a significant change. Side note, I'm intrigued that this book is so sure that this is going to just like fix everything. This is crazy. I'm glad that I picked this book up at Mercy Warehouse. Um, Try another test. This time, it's something you're probably... Some, it's something you probably do at least occasionally. Look up a phone number you don't know along with the area code. Then go to your phone and dial that number from memory. Go ahead, look up a number in the phone book and dial it. Then try to redial it. How many of the 10 digits did you remember? How are the averages? I'm not going to do this while recording because I'll say the number out loud and I don't want to like, you know, put someone's phone number out there. Actually, let's, let's see. What's a place? Is yellow pages still a thing? Why am I typing up yellow pages? Who cares? Um, what's a place? What if I wanted to eat at 
classic burger joint. Do they have a phone number that I can call? It's a, this is an easy one. It's a 800 number, so I don't even need to remember most of them. And it ends in a thousand. That's a waste of my time. Okay, I'm passing this one up because I'm not doing it, but maybe I go get this place for lunch. Um, I'm pretty actually confident that I can remember that pretty well. Um, I remember license plates a little bit too much. Um, even like if I'm looking at them, like I'll just like remember them and be like, dang it. Especially if they have like a good association for something else. And I'm like, dang it, I already knew that thing. Now I know your license plate and this is weird. Um, how did you do? Do you have an average memory for your age? Wouldn't you like to have a better than average memory? A memory that's truly fit and in fighting trim. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I wouldn't mind having a better memory, but how am I going to get one? I'm stuck with the brain I have. The brain you have is all you need. I'm no genius. I can walk into a room, meet 100 people, and remember every person's name. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my record is 644 people, but who's counting? That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, right. And you don't just happen to have a photographic memory, do you? Don't have one. Not sure I'd want one. Seriously. Having a train memory is better than having a photographic memory. If such a thing actually exists, it's very aptly named. A photographic memory can only record and therefore remember, but what, uh, remember what you can see. The only time this is going to help you remember someone's name is when you meet that person at a convention where everyone is wearing a little badge you read. Hi, my name is so-and-so. What if your name was so-and-so? That would be pretty uh, odd. Um, <clears throat> and face it, when everyone is wearing a name badge, you don't need to remember names. <sighs> wow, that was bold. Um, Okay, you don't have a photographic memory, but you are usually unusually gifted, aren't you? Not gifted, trained. I've been trained training my memory for a long time. Maybe that makes me the Arnold Schwarzenegger of memory. Why? Okay, I guess when is this book from? It would be the reason why they use Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I don't easily see a date, so I'm not going to look anymore. Um, but I started out as a 90 pound weakling, just like everyone else. <laughs> then I learned everything I could about memory training, worked on my memory skills, developed some techniques of my own, pumped a little mental iron, and ended up building a career out of helping others do the same. Wow, career. I could benefit. Training takes time. Can't I just take, can't I just take ginkgo? Take ginkgo if you think it will help. But I will tell you right now that training takes less time and is more effective. I mean it. I have never seen anyone pop a dietary supplement and then reel off the names of 100 people you've just met. There may be a long-term benefit to many number of vitamins, minerals, and herbal products, and simply being healthy is very good for your memory. The better your body functions, the better your brain functions, within limits. Physicist Stephen Hawking's brain functions better than just about anyone's. R.I.P. Respect. Um, physical disability does not preclude genius by any means. But good blood circulation, flexible cell walls, and a healthy supply of oxygen are all good for cognition. Excuse me. I'm needing to eat soon. Still, training is the most effective memory aid anyone has ever come up with. Memory is the treasure house of the mind. Margaret Fuller.
Margaret, Margaret, Margaret Fuller said that. Ginkgo research, for example, indicates that the supplement's antioxidant properties and is and its ability. <laughs> Guys, I'm struggling. How much longer has this got? <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. There's like four or five pages and I got time. So I'm going to start over. Not from the beginning. Um, Ginkgo research, for example, indicates that the supplement's antioxidant properties and its ability to improve circulation can benefit older people and those whose circulation is impaired. But there is no indication in its particular, uh, in, there is no indication it is particularly useful to young, healthy people. The research on memory training, on the other hand, shows that it improves memory significantly for older people and even more for younger people. How long have people known about memory training? Probably as long as people have had any kind of culture at all. After all, what did people do before they invented writing? They remembered things. The prehistoric FedEx was a fast runner with a good memory. <laughs> no way. No way. What a comparison. The prehistoric FedEx was a fast runner with a good memory. That's life-changing. Um, I'm going to grab a highlighter. Never mind. I don't have a highlighter. But I did find a pen. And I'm going to put a star by that statement because that's amazing. I'm not going to underline it because I suck at underlining things. Stories and poems weren't written down. They were passed down from generation to generation. And in fact, poems were memory devices. The first rhyming wasn't just a way to make something sound pretty. It served a practical purpose to make things easier to remember. Early poetry was probably closer to 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. No, oh, that's the thing. Okay. Uh, then it was to shall I compare thee to a summer's day. Mm. According to Kieran Egan, a scholar in the field of education. Scholar in the field of Okay. If one cannot write what's, what is in one's mind, one must remember it. If the lore of a social group is to survive a single lifetime, it must be transmitted in a stable form from generation to generation. All oral cultures place a very high value on techniques that aid faithful memorization. They rely on such techniques for their survival. Techniques. <sighs> Pulling out the big guns, are we? That's just the beginning. According to the Greek philosopher Plato, Hermes, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Hermes, the man who was supposed to have invented writing, went to Pharaoh Thymus with his wonderful new technique. He said, look, Pharaoh, writing things down will make it possible for people to remember what they would otherwise forget. He was very proud of himself, but the Pharaoh was upset. My skillful Thuit, he said, Thuit? Sorry if that, you know, is wrong and someone cares. Um, memory is a great gift that ought to be kept alive by training it continuously. With your invention, people will not be obliged any longer to train memory. They will remember things not because of 
internal effort, but mere virtue of an external device. I'm really intrigued. Oh, is this Plato or Pharaoh that said that? I think allegedly Pharaoh said that. But hey, I wasn't there. Respect. Sort of a way people worry now about kids using calculators instead of memorizing the multiplication table. That was a weird way to to enunciate that sentence or question. I'm sorry. But exactly. And of course, the pharaoh was wrong. People still had to remember things, especially since most people didn't learn to write until a few thousand years later. That's a long time learning how to write. I only took like a year in in little school. (laughs) So they kept developing, developing new memory techniques. You know, all those great orators in Greece, they spoke without notes, sometimes for two or three hours. Challenge accepted. I bet they rambled a lot, right? Hardly. They covered every point they wanted to and nothing else. They used the art of memory, otherwise known as mnemonics. I'm so proud of myself that I could read that word because if you guys don't know how to spell mnemonics, according to tradition, mnemonics was invented by the Greek poet Simonides. Simonides. Um, However I want to say it, I can because no one can tell me what to do. Who lived from, oh, sorry, Simonides, (laughs) who lived from 556 to 468 BC. That counts down. I'm just kidding. I know that BC counts the other way. Um, poets were the memory experts of the ancient world. In fact, the goddess memory in Greek mythology was the mother of the muse. Those lovely ladies who've provided inspiration to artists everywhere. Oh, hey, Bentley. What up? I'm just reading to you. Go to bed. So, could Simonides remember 644 names? Funny you should ask. One night... Simonides was at a great banquet attended by hundreds of guests during dinner a messenger came from him or for him and he stepped outside to receive a message prehistoric FedEx while he was outside the banquet hall collapsed everyone inside was crushed and I don't mean heartbroken good one Um, officials needed to identify those killed and buried under the rubble so Simonides named everyone who had been at the banquet and told the authorities where each person had been sitting. He explained that he was able to do this because he could visualize the entire hall. With a picture fixed in his mind, he could he simply had to look at the people and name them, just as though he were in the room with them. It was a memory technique called intense visualization, something Simonides practiced all the time. In fact, he had a memory that the arts of painting poetry and memory were all based on intense visualization and he was able to teach this technique to other people i could go on and on about memory training through the centuries but don't worry i'm not going to just one more story oh my gosh one more story but there's like 200 pages left seems that in the middle ages when more most people still could read or (laughs) most people still couldn't read They came up with some mnemonic devices less sophisticated than the ones the Greeks had used. Once, a nobleman gave a certain piece of land to a monastery to make sure that his young son couldn't remember the transaction and honor it. Oh, could and would remember the transaction honor it. He created it, connected it with the memory. My gosh, guys, I'm struggling. A nobleman gave a 
certain piece of land to a monastery. To make sure that his young son would remember the transaction and honor it, he connected it with the memorable experience. He threw the boy, fully clad, into a farm pond. Oh. The boy had fished out, was fished out of the pond, cold and wet, and remembered the day even after. Why do you know all this? I mean, how did you get interested in the memory in the first place? That's practically ancient history, too. It started when I was kind of four. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it started when I was a kid of four. One day, my parents took me to a family gathering and I was introduced to a lot of people I didn't know, and I must have found them fascinating. All I know is that I spent the whole day watching them and listening to their conversations. By the end of the day, as we were saying goodbye, I surprised the whole family by remembering everybody's name. Well, not everybody, but more than you'd expect from a four-year-old. Everyone thought I was a genius. I remembered that. He who is not very strong in memory should not meddle with lying. Michel de Montaigne. Later on, when I was 12, I'm going to throw it out there. This book has quotes in it. I don't know. Like they're like blocked out. And that's why I'm doing them in like particular voices and making a moment to pause for them and whatnot. Um, There's like these quotes. But later on, when I was 10 or 12, I didn't play ball. So I looked for other ways to impress people. I started doing magic tricks. I was pretty good at magic and folks were pretty complimentary, but I wasn't satisfied. I remembered how everyone thought I was a genius just for remembering some names. So I started studying the work of the great mentalists and incorporated it into my act. Into great mentalists, not the. Um, that did it. People were way more impressed with the memory feats than with the sleight of hand. My new memory skills came in handy when I was doing my homework too. By the time I was in college, I was teaching memory skills to other people. I even taught my own professor and I could teach you. This book is the memory course between cardboard covers. Hmm. One more page. Okay. You're going to tell me everything I need to know in one book? I'm going to do a lot more than tell you. If you'll work with me, I'm going to train you. Knowing the principles of the art is all well and good, but to really learn the techniques, you have to practice each one and master it before going on to the next. It's more akin to learning to play the piano than understanding the laws of physics. So I've designed this book the way I design the seminars, um, courses, and individual training sessions. Sorry, um, You'll get a lot out of it if even if you just read along, but, don't, but you won't truly learn the techniques of memory um, training unless you work with me. Of course, in my classes and seminars, I'm right there to cajole and encourage you through each skill. Um, When I have a doubter, and believe me, I encounter many, I can say, come on, just give it a try. What do you have to lose? Usually I get the person to go with me the first step. That's almost always all it takes. After that, success takes over. I remember a guy named Joe from New York City. I wonder if it's Joe Gatto from Impractical Jokers. Probably not. He was sort of a Tony Danza type. A little tough looking. A little tough talking. It ain't gonna work, he told me. Not in a million years. He kept saying that right up to the point where he had memorized lists 10 and 20 items long. At that point, he changed his tune. 
I'm asking you to take just enough faith to take the first step to, even if something seems a little odd and far-fetched to you, I want you to try the exercises. And if it works, or if it still doesn't work for me, go on to the next technique. There are plenty of different memory techniques in this book. Trust me, a lot of people have been working on these very methods the day since the days of Simonides. Have you discovered something new about memory training? Something that old Simonides didn't? I know 2,500 years worth of stuff Simonides didn't know. And the most important thing is that you learn a lot more when you're having a good time. And that's the only reason you're here, right? I needed a straight man to get things off to an entertaining start. What? <laughs> I think that this book is older because I think that means something different now. Um, You're not telling me I'm fired. I can't fire you. You're a figment of my imagination. I'm just going to unimagine you. What? Okay, I, I don't understand that purpose or what. That doesn't track. If that tracked for you, let me know because it didn't track for me why that's irrelevant or why that's relevant. Irregardless. Oh, come on. Let me stick around. I don't have to be such a small, smart aleck. I can behave myself. Sorry, you'll just get in the way from here on in. Betcha. I'll be back. Out. I've got work to do. All right, this is the end of the introduction. Put the book down for a bit. Go look out the window and make yourself a sandwich. Take at least five minute break at the end of each short chapter. You'll think better and remember more. Scoot. Cool. So the first chapter, part one, uh, basic principles of memory training. I'm not going to read it now. Um, but hey, that was interesting. I will say I'm a doubter. I will also say that I am um, okay enough to try it and see what the heck happens. Um, but hey. If you guys want more of this book, I will definitely read it. I think I'll read more of it on the air because I will not read normally because I hate reading. But uh, if I'm recording myself and someone else is going to listen, that's enough motivation for me to try. So, folks, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. I hope that you have a fantastic day on whichever day that you listen to this. And please let me know any thoughts you have. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to Dish Knows Nothing. Follow me on Instagram at Dishyman or email me at Dishyman at gmail.com. Hit me up with topics and questions that I can address on the show. Remember to rate and subscribe. It's truly appreciated. Take care and stay grinding.